Hello, welcome to Love Food Hate Money, the show where we talk about food, how much we love it, and we prove it by spending all of our money on it. I'm gonna be your host, Jonah. This is co-host Courtney. Hey. And then we are doing a morning recording, which means we have a coffee personality in the oh house. Oh my god. Mr. Adam. Adam Holyfield, everyone. How are you? Applause, applause. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks well, for having me. Thanks for coming over. It's been a long time. I never wake up before noon. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> you said morning show and now it's 11 o'clock. Yeah, well, for us it's morning. Yeah. For you, it's like midday. We have to shift into gear. Let's talk about drinks. All right, what are we drinking? We're drinking more pear coffee because that's the coffee that we drink recently. And we it also is. have our own wholesale account now. Basically. We buy two pounds at a time. Baller. It's better that way for us, and that rather than visiting every three days, and we're like, well, we went through eight ounces again. <laughs> so we're drinking an Ethiopian That's how you know pear. You've made it. Yeah, and we're not wasting any packaging now because we bring reusable containers. So yeah, that's true. We're just we love the planet, guys. We're lo- love food, hate money, save the planet. <laughs> Coffee. Um, Adam's not had Malort before, so we're revisiting Jepson's Malort. Mm-hmm. He's smelled it a couple of times already. Little does he know that that's <laughs> that's where it stops being nice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't smell bad. Shoe shine. Go for it. And there's nothing like a good little bit of shoe shine. All right, down the hatch. It's lingering. <laughs> oh, I just it's still it. there. Yeah. It made me gleek immediately that time. I just like spit so yeah. much. It's still going. Yeah. Are you a convert to the Jepson's Malort? Why? What's the point of it? <laughs> it's a Chicago thing. I don't know. What we the got point it of as it a gag gift, and now we make our friends gag on the gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had worse. <laughs> worse, worse coffee than that, probably. That's that's imp- impressive and disgusting. <clears throat> all right well it's 10.59 which means we can start drinking wine now that's true 10.58 is not wine time 10.59 wine time what is it Courtney it's a red good job you actually know what this one is because you poured it I poured it you can read it's really good with the liver and fava beans Mm. Chianti Rufina Vittoria di Basciano 2018 what's it supposed to taste like it's supposed to taste like um, jelly beans. Yeah. <laughs> we had notes of jelly bean, Jolly Rancher. Uh, what do you think it tastes like? I'm not going to be able to taste it right because I just had the Malort and everything's <laughs> going to be. Wash the Malort down with coffee and then I had it. Yeah, the mix of things that you're drinking over there is next level. Sounds like a blackberry bomb. I also got dark fruit on mm-hmm. it when I had it initially, but apparently it's like aged red fruit is what I was told when I was tasting it in class. What counts as red fruit? Raspberries? Well, the red ones. <laughs> Without overcomplicating things. Raspberries, red cherries. Well, apples are red, Jonna, and that's an orchard fruit according to you, so. Apples, technically. Yep. We actually, it's funny, we had a conversation about that in wine class. There's a guy that consistently tastes red apple when he's tasting white wines, and one of the girls was like, I love that you taste that. Also, you you need to work on tasting that because, like, anyone that sees that is going to think you're losing your mind. Like, that's what you can taste. But also, like, we have to find a way to word it better. Pick a new fruit. We boiled it down to, like, he was tasting, if you bite into a red apple, their skins are relatively thick. And they've got kind of, like, that tanny, tanny, a waxy green quality. So he, like, one of the ways that he picks up pyrazines in a white wine is that, like, waxy green marker. That's what he tastes. Mm. But most people just say green bell pepper and, like, can, like, make that quick connection where he goes the long way around. Yeah. I get a lot of, like, lettuce off the skin of, like, gala apples. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Bad ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the not ones in season. Like, not good. Like a lettuce. Yeah. So like, I could see how he could get that All yeah right. it's that like green quality but like the the red apple specific call like every time we're like when <laughs> we kind of like are you are when's you the last okay? time you had an apple <laughs> we're also sitting there tasting like passion fruit and green bell peppers and he's like red apple baby and we're like you're, you 
everything's subjective, so you're not wrong. But also, how did we get here? Yeah. But no, this is supposed to be red fruit. Um, it's got volatile, some volatile acidity, like uh, Chianti's typically are, will have. So it's got a, got a little bit of like an aged balsamic note to it, strawberry, the red cherry. Um, well, it's 11.01 now, so we have to stop drinking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is significantly different than the last time that I had it. Really? I really like it. It was like pretty tight when I tasted it before, and now it's the hot bottles are open for a while, so it's falling apart a little bit, but it, it drinks nicer, in my opinion. <sighs> there you go. What are the debatables on this podcast? Like um, brown sugar pop tarts? <laughs> oh, then, yeah. Are you team brown sugar pop tart? Yeah. yeah. Thank and God. Um, and uh, smooth uh, creamy peanut butter. What Not brand, crunchy. though? Um, yeah, I'll take it all. I mean, Skippy, Jif, like generic is all fine. I'm not Jonah, but <laughs> no crunchy. <Thank> God. <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't need any more Jonas. So no crunchy is right though, because otherwise it's like not peanut butter, then it's peanut crunchy. If you serve me any sort of crunchy butter, I'm gonna be upset. Mm-hmm. Aggressive. Okay, I'm really excited to have you on because we <laughs> yep. talked about doing an episode probably like four months ago. Yeah, because we came out and toured your place of business. Yep. But we'll, I think we'll get to that. We'll start at the beginning. Because you have worked in coffee for how many years now? Um, since 2015, so just about seven years. Okay. Yeah. Well, where did you start? The OG, Bergie's Coffee in <laughs> downtown Gilbert. Rest in peace. Rip to the king. Yep. Closing down, but an Arizona staple. And then um, from there, moved on to press coffee. Got out of coffee for a little bit. Came back in with Courtney, starting Mythical Coffee in the early days and now have moved on to kind of coffee production, running a cold brew facility here in Phoenix. Awesome. Yeah. Of all the places you worked, is there one that you think that's been like the most Mm. transformational for you as far as like actually progressing your career in coffee? Mm, That's a tough one. I think there's stepping stones for sure. Once you you start out somewhere and they teach you what they know, Mm -hmm. and then either you can move on and find out more and, you know, each one of my, my career was kind of like a level up every single time, but I couldn't have gotten to the next one without having the one before. Yeah. So, you know, press kind of built upon Bergie's, Mythical built upon press, and then I for sure couldn't do what I do today if it weren't for all three of those beforehand, kind of building up to that. So they were all pretty transformational into evolving my understanding of coffee and how I wanted to continue working in it. Yeah, that's been a big time pass. As long as I've known you, mm-hmm. which is, I do have to say, Adam and I are an enemies to friends story. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I feel like when we met, we were very much pitted against each other. Yeah, because we were like the same. Because <laughs> we're both very headstrong and very opinionated. Yeah. And working with someone who was just like, this will be fun to <laughs> yeah. attack each other. Yeah. And I think, too, you're really good at what you do. I like to think I'm okay at what I do. And I think the two of us together, once we finally join sides, yes, yeah. <laughs> it was a really good working relationship. And Adam kept me sane and would bring me beer while we were washing dishes at clothes. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that was very true. helpful. There's been no shift beers during the no, making of this podcast. No beers. They were not alcoholic. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> so talk about a little bit what you do now, because I, think that when people think coffee, there's like two worlds of it. There's the coffee shop that your neighborhood, you know, coffee shop, like press, for example, Mm -hmm. you've got your like weird chains, like Starbucks, Dutch Bros. And then you've got like grocery store coffee. But I think there's a missing link there. And I think that's what you do. Yeah, pretty much. I think there's three like big levels to coffee. There's your local one, like you said, and then there's the one in between where I'm at right now. And then you have fully commercial. So kind of what I do right now is in between where we have run like a private label facility that helps shops that are growing expand their production and expand their capabilities without heavily investing into um, different types of machinery and equipment. dollars yeah. of commercial equipment. Yeah. So Coffee Support is the name of the company, and that's the best way to describe it. It's just supporting other brands to grow their own business without taking huge risk. 
And um, we've allowed, uh, you know, we're, we're working with press and provision and all these other local coffee companies um, so that they can produce lots of cold brew. They can do cans. We also roast at this facility. And so that expands their roasting capabilities all within their metrics. So we're pretty much just following their guidelines and then helping them out along the way. So it's kind of like a collaborative effort in a way. And that's probably the reason I like it the most because I'm not stuck with one brand with one culture mindset. Mm -hmm. I have, I work with multiple brands and they all have different cultures and mindsets and we can, I tailor what I do to that specific brand. And um, that's been really fun and helps solve a creative aspect as well as just um, evolve my understanding of coffee as a whole. I think that is funny because I feel like that's part of the character arc for you since even I've known you because I only knew you originally when Courtney was major enemies with you and was like, (laughs) this ass (laughs) thinks he knows everything about everything. And now it's funny that the growth on that is like yeah no like everyone like with coffee at the end of the and anything in food and beverage at the end of the day it's whatever people want is technically right and it's that growth from like no there's not like a right way to do anything like it's just meeting other people where they're at in preference and like there are some things that you can do while roasting coffee to like really screw it up but also like if that's what you want that's what you want Yeah, capitalism kind of wins in coffee for sure. I mean, in everything. Your egos don't win, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's more about what people are buying and what they're interested in and um, what they continue to buy and um, what they like, you know, what their preferences are. So it's a pretty wide range now that I'm into it of what people enjoy and what they Mm -hmm. want. And I'm not here to, no longer here to kind of tell them what they want, but more (laughs) so just provide the best version of that that I can. How do you think your taste has changed kind of over your career as far as drinking coffee? Well, I started out, I literally got hired and didn't drink coffee. They just, <laughs> oh, they no. just liked me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. And then I, I mean, I, I honestly think it's full circle now in a way. Um, you know, in the beginning, you just kind of are understanding it. And um, my first big like breakthrough with black coffee was at Peixoto in the early days mm-hmm. and uh, had a pour over from Panama that tasted like green apples and it blew my mind. <laughs> and from then it, it was just, everybody experiences this in coffee. It's just a quest for like the best cup and like the best espresso. And um, once you feel like you're making that, um, I feel like we got there at Mythical, like, at, you know, I had an understanding of how to make really good coffee Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that satisfied you know, a lot of the people that were coming in looking for that and then my own venture too. So, but once you hit that, you don't know where to go. And then <laughs> everybody kind of gets lost and they, you know, once you reach the pinnacle, oh, I, I'm making really great coffee and I know how to do it. Well, now what do I do with myself? Yeah. You know? um, and so now working in more of a production setting, I've realized, oh, it's not about the best cup for me. You know, it's about the best cup for everyone. And how can we just push more coffee and get more people to drink it and enjoy it and find a coffee that suits them. And so my, you know, quest for the best cup has kind of turned into more so um, that same thing, but for all levels, right? So from light roast, crazy things, anaerobic naturals, whatever, to medium roast, just blends, cold brew blends, drip blends, and then Dark coffee. Yeah, sometimes dark roast. I mean, I still don't like that. (laughs) Still not to your taste. There's something about dark roast coffee, like truly dark, sweaty coffee that is like always fun to have because it's weird, like bitter. It tastes like it's stronger consistently. (laughs) And I think that's the funniest thing in the world where you just have it and you're like, oh, I just ingested rocket fuel. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Definitely. There are some dark roasts that are okay and somewhat drinkable, but... Um, most for the most part, people just do them wrong in the first place. So, um, but yeah, definitely has evolved. Yeah, yeah, full circle. circle. Uh (laughs) In a weird way, you like stop caring, but by not caring, you almost care more because it's not about yourself, but it's more about the entire customer base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think ultimately, like good coffee shops and just good coffee in general, it's about the full circle process of the growing of the coffee, the supporting the farmers. Mm the actual brewing process, and then it's just the enjoyment. Yep. And I think sometimes that gets lost in this, like, 
weird quest of like how funky can I get this coffee? Mm-hmm. And really, that that progresses the industry into you know pushing further for higher quality cups, but it doesn't necessarily pay farmers more. So um, drink trying to just drink the coolest, craziest cup of coffee you can doesn't really do anything for the industry besides like push the top end level. Yeah. Um, whereas now with coffee support, we're focused on buying medium range coffees in like the 82 to 84 point range, three to $4 a pound and buying those on contracts year over year that support those farmers heavily. So right. they know that, that, that their coffee is going to sell. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're supporting importers and farming organizations that are really having bigger impacts on farms, helping them with their uh, regenerative soil and uh, help like providing them with just higher wages for their pickers and uh, processing methods. So I really feel like now with the amount of coffee we're purchasing from quality sources that we're making actually making big impacts on the industry. Whereas before, you know, you buy one bag of a crazy coffee, okay. A couple hundred bucks. Couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. $2,000 or whatever versus like $30,000 of their entire lot. Yeah. You right. know, year over year. And so that's been really cool. And we have meetings like constantly about this at um, Coffee Support and uh, kind of building a portfolio of green coffee that's sustainably sourced. And uh, is that, there, yeah. Is there someone on staff that, that mm-hmm. goes out to the farms consistently because they're just like a traveler that's just like, all right, let's go and see what these, what's happening at the farms. Yeah, that's actually evolving right now. So we have a 10,000 square feet of green storage space. It can store like 5 million pounds of coffee. <laughs> oh, my God. So <laughs> we're actively trying to buy coffees, stock them here in Phoenix, and then make them more readily available to Phoenix roasters or any other roasters, you know, mm-hmm. um, and kind of provide a little bit of a hub here in Phoenix that – is stocking um, sustainably sourced coffee. It's so Wild. cool. Yeah. Um, will you talk a little bit or describe the point system and how that works? Mm. Because I don't think our listeners will be familiar with it. Yeah. So basically every coffee is scored um, based on SEA grading standards to um, get the quality level. And that translates to how much farmers get paid. Um, so anything above an 80 is considered specialty. Um Typically, these are all Arabica coffees, and really the top end of that is like the 90 range. There's really nothing above that. Um, Things go to Cup of Excellence, and you can see the best coffees from every single country or subset, and uh, they get auctioned off. And those are your top end coffees. But really, in the specialty world, we're mostly buying coffees between 80 and 84 points, maybe 85, and those those are your like everyday drinkers mm-hmm. even. And um, those are really, really nice coffees. So um, every point is like pretty distinct in a jump of uh, quality. Um, so it even breaks down into sub points of like a quarter. So 82.25 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's so interesting, especially when I first started in coffee, learning about the seed market and just how mm-hmm. all that works and how unfair and the fluctuation it is especially for paying farmers it's really crazy yeah right now we're that you know a lot of farmers and importers work on that seed price so heavily and we pretty much watch it daily and um with kind of how the market is right now it's been more volatile recently and that definitely affects farmers and i have farmers reaching out to me directly saying hey we don't know where the sea price is going to be so we're just trying to get rid of the coffee in case it crashes so Ugh. can you buy it at this price which is break even and and they're just scared because they don't know where the market's going That's and so yeah yeah it doesn't feel great when you have little farmers like reaching out to you trying to just offload their coffee because they're scared of uh what the new york stock exchange has to say about the sea price so. <sighs> All those little things. I don't think you think about that when you go and get a cup of coffee. And obviously, thinking about it can be very depressing. So you don't need to think about it every time you go get a cup of coffee. But there's the very large-scale picture of coffee in the industry being what it is and having so many different facets. And even just, like, you know, knowing that the farmers with the stuff that doesn't grade well, they have to still try to sell it. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get a lot of your grocery store coffees. Welcome to Starbucks. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, then you can get into their weird labeling. You know more about that than... I was almost a Starbucks coffee master back in my day. Wow. I I, I love just... the verbiage that any large corporation <laughs> uses. Um, I'm curious, when you go to a coffee shop, what do you order? Espresso and drip is usually the go-to. I mean, yep. Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> I generally don't order, like, uh, milk-based drinks, like cortados or cappuccinos, unless... I mean, I just don't prefer that, but... Um, I'll try a specialty drink, you know, and but you got to get past the espresso and, t- and uh, drip. You know, <laughs> drip test. Drip test. The so, drip test. Yeah, that can pretty much tell me everything I want to know. And then from there, get maybe a specialty drink or something else. But kind of funny that that's the some like that's the how same, you do it. That's the circuit yep. is like the espresso will tell you a lot about whatever the specialty drink is about to happen to you. Mm-hmm. If they could do just the espresso well, like. Good. There's hope. Um, <laughs> and then you get like the drip coffee. Like it, you got to it's when you go to a coffee shop, it's nice to go to a place that they care about that process. Because like doing the small batch pour overs are fine. But like the drip has to be consistent and should at least be a pretty large batch reflection of whatever they're doing on pour over. So it's really nice to like just go in and be like, hey, I'm going to try this three dollar cup just to get a good litmus test of where their care level is at. Yeah, nowadays I'm a lot more forgiving too. So maybe back in the day I would <laughs> go somewhere and be like, is this going to be better than what I can do? You know, that's what I would yeah. look for. And nowadays I just... It's a slippery slope when you're pretty good yeah. at what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, and there's no end to it, you know, so it's a bottomless pit of just trying yeah. to find the best thing. And so now that I'm a bit more forgiving, I am actually enjoying coffees a lot more and, um, drinking more just from different shops to see what they offer and how they serve it. And that's been more interesting to get more feedback that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people in the food and beverage industry in any facet can get into like a pretty dangerous slippery slope of like, even when we go out to restaurants, (laughs) we're nightmares when we go out to restaurants though. Yeah. And like to almost to a degree we're like, we don't even always have fun when we do it because we'll be halfway Mm -hmm. through and we're like, well, we could do better than this. Why did we even leave the house? <laughs> Why did we spend this money? So it's very, it's funny that that, that translates to any facet of it where mm-hmm. you're just like, you, there's a certain part where you have to stop and be like, oh, I need to just like stop caring and start like enjoying existing. Just enjoy things. <laughs> totally. And now I pretty much go solely to just support the people owning it mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, and support the coffee industry as a whole. But, um, you know, if I enjoyed what I had, I'll post about it or share it or whatever. But um, even if I don't necessarily enjoy it that much, you know, at least I was a patron and spent yeah. my money there on a place that has good ethics and good people working behind it. And that's kind of where I will tend to go nowadays. So I have just a few shops locally that I'll hit. And for those reasons. Yeah. yeah. Who are they? Tell mm. us. Well, there's, you know, everyone knows this now if you follow me, but. I'm a big Ariel Coffee fan. It's this little tiny shack. We haven't gotten over there yet. Yeah. Ariola Coffee. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> but it was, and we'll have to edit that one out. But um, Ariel Coffee is great. It's just literally it was a shaved ice stand, Cute. which is like popular in Arizona. And I grew up going there, but they converted it into a mini coffee shop drive through and it was just two friends that were coffee enthusiasts at home, like brewing it, like, you know, making drinks for friends and decided, let's just try to do this on a low risk endeavor at a little shack. And um, it's next to my house. which is great. <laughs> but legitimately, the first time I went, I was surprised at the quality and I had great espresso, great pour over and great specialty drinks. The owner, one of the owners is a bartender, so he just makes all these really Great clever concoctions. Yep. And um, it pretty much like blows everything out of the water, in my opinion. I mean, if it had a line and it was crazy busy all day, maybe my perception of it would change. Probably, definitely. And, and they would... <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that. And that's happened to different coffee trucks here that mm-hmm. we know of mm-hmm. and like different shops as well. Um, it's always great in the early days when they're not busy. Um, but I think these guys would serve the same level 
of coffee if they were busy. Um, and it's just great. It's simple. It's tasty. They buy from good roasters. They don't try to be pretentious about it. They're friendly. All their drinks are great. It's pretty amazing how simple it is and how well they execute. And I really legitimately couldn't ask for more. So that spot just hits all the markers for me and makes me want to open my own simple coffee <laughs> drive through Coffee window. Man, it's just so crazy. But um, I also love Pear. And uh, oh, man, I don't know. I'd have to like think. I forget, to be <laughs> honest. I like going everywhere, but definitely just like mostly Pear. And uh, oh, I like going to Berdina's too. Yeah. Because they're homies. But um, <laughs> they also just buy from great roasters generally and rotate. And they're super friendly. When there's not like in all the it's shops. A cute shop. Yeah. Yeah. Ariel sounds interesting. We'll have we'll to have try to go it. Out there. Maybe. It's so simple, but so good. We'll go this week. Okay. What's the what's the specialty drink? Like you said, they're all good, but like, is there one where you're like, oh no, like every, like this is the one that you should try? Mm. Yeah, I mean, just definitely get espresso and drip. But uh, they have an espresso tonic that Ooh. they use a tonic that is made. Um, it's bottled by a local got a couple of local guys that made the tonic, started bottling it, and now we're kind of selling it to bars. So you'll see it. I don't know the name, so <laughs> you'll have to go and try it yourself. We'll but it's find it. like Metro Phoenix tonic. Much better than Fever Tree, okay. which is generally the go-to for espresso tonics. And this one kind of blows it out of the water. But they also have um your like specialty lattes that are all really great. Yeah. Nice. I love lattes. Mm-hmm. That's why I want an espresso machine. <laughs> Especially with two lattes, I think, are like, I don't know. But that's why that's the third tier for us. Because I think for us from the more of the culinary side, like we like the, the the drip and espresso test. Those are good basics. And then the specialty is like, all right, well, how much like thought can you put into yes. this full development? And you get milk steaming and you get flavor. And te- yeah. Yeah. Flavor, texture, lots of other technique and like. Mm-hmm. Some places that do specialty drinks. It's funny because I <laughs> I like the places that do specialty drinks really well and then don't do well with just like the regular coffee. Like that flip is always funny to me where I'm mm. like, huh, you tried really hard in this one thing, but like you can't. You're just like <laughs> masking the espresso. Like good for you for figuring out this is your weak spot. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people get away with that. I mean, how often do people go in order espresso and drip? That's not actually yeah. your main crowd. You know, you make your money on vanilla lattes, and if your vanilla latte isn't good, then nobody is going to buy your espresso or drip <laughs> either. So it's it's like chicken and an egg. Yeah, feeds into there. itself. But. <sighs> I miss making syrups. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Is, you were very good at it. I'm glad you did that. I was never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's going to be a no for me. Uh, not enough herb caramels. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. What you think about caramel macchiatos? Mm. What is there to think? <laughs> just, <laughs> okay, I just so, hate that. I yeah, mean, everybody's going to say the same thing, but why macchiato? That's just the wrong thing. Like, just ca- call it a latte, so, you know? So we recently did the Wanderlust coffee tour that Zane oh, yeah. and I put together. And Good my episode. favorite thing is one of the shops we went into, Donut ordered a macchiato to <laughs> 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 make him spit his wine out. <laughs> and I. We're not, we don't look like we don't know what we're doing, but we're not like cool people. Not a cool boy. We're just not, we don't have that vibe. And that's fine. But one of the shops we go in and donut orders a macchiato. And of course you have that barista thing of just so you know. Call them out. Which shop? No, I'm just <laughs> Okay. Just so you know, it's not the macchiato that you're thinking of. This Jonah was like. I hope it's the macchiato that I'm thinking oh, of because no. that's what I ordered. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so it just every time that comes up, I think that's so funny. And I think at this point, if you're going into a specialty shop and you're ordering a macchiato and it's like $4, you know what you're getting. But I love the assumption that people still don't know mm-hmm. the difference. I mean, they don't, though. Like, they, there's a reason that's the autopilot response of, like, just so you know, this isn't going to be a 64-ounce <laughs> ice latte <laughs> with a cup of caramel in it. This is going to be espresso and just scare it with milk. Yeah, you basically run into that at every single shop ever. You're just going to have people that come in and don't know what they want and 
you it's your job as a barista to be like kind and figure out what they want and what they're looking for. And depending um, on the level but, of business, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's just, just tough. They're standing there staring at the wall and you're staring at them and the 17 people behind them are staring at you. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to have patience for sure <laughs> if you want to be good at your job as a barista. <laughs> What advice would you would you have for somebody who wants to get into specialty coffee? Because I feel like it's very intimidating to get that first job. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of opinions about this. Um, I think obviously everyone should be a barista. Maybe not obviously, but that is the base <laughs> of everything, right? Yeah, like, that's where you learn. Yeah, and um, definitely it's a culture thing at every shop. You have all these different shops where people have worked at them for years and other people go in and say, oh man, this place is a terrible culture and I don't like it and it's not for me. And then they leave and they're salty, but um, find a shop that fits your culture. And that has worked for me for the most part, um, being happy where I was. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just, if you want to stay in coffee, know that there's not a ton of money there. <laughs> um, Number one, yeah, big thing. You're kind of doing it for the passion and cause you care and you enjoy it. But uh, kind of think forward and build your base. So if you're a barista, try and learn as much as you can and try and figure out what you want to do. If you want to move into training or management and kind of like, if you want to stay in the coffee industry, look forward because um, many people just become really good baristas and don't know what to do after. And, um, and it's just lots of throwdowns and depression. Yeah. And, and that's not good for anybody, you know, like nobody find satisfaction in that. And then they leave the industry feeling empty, Yeah, you know? So I got lucky where I just kept progressing and kept learning more. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to roast because I don't want to sit behind a roaster <laughs> and for eight hours a day. Um, I just have too much, you know, too, high strung. too much energy. And <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm high strung. <laughs> but, uh, I gotta move guys. Yeah, no, I, so, but I, but you still have to learn. Yeah. Right? So get as much as you can and then kind of see where you fit in and see what you like to do. Um, training is a natural progression. I did a little bit of that. Uh, management is you can own your own shop. You can, there's all these different avenues. They're all not just, they're not super rewarding. I mean, <laughs> but at least, you know, and Unless I never thought, you, which is the weird, like, if it are for you, do it. They're there's not... going to be one barista that listens to this. It's like, this asshole. What? No, I mean. <laughs> out here supporting coffee and just talking shit on me. And starts pouring a swan at you just angrily. There's Listen, there are career <laughs> career baristas that make more money than I do right now. Oh, yeah. So that is a total avenue. You know, you can totally do that forever if that is what jives with you. And I think there's tons of people that make that six, like happen. But there's probably only a few positions in coffee where you can be comfortable as a barista where the culture aligns mm -hmm. and you're happy and your shifts are perfect and you don't get burned out right yeah. just to be a barista forever but a lot of us end up not liking the culture or get burned out based on the style of management or just the shifts and uh just people just people staring at them they stare at you depending on what city you work in yeah. too and if you fit with those cut that customer base and um that all is plays into like a longevity of a barista. Yeah. Uh, so I think if shops thought more about that, you know, when hiring, if if people will be just a good fit culturally, they'll probably stick around longer rather than if they're going to be good at the job. Yeah. Because I can pretty you can much train, train anybody. anybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I trained a guy at our facility to pour like hearts, rosettas, and tulips in less than a month. You couldn't and even train nothing. Jonah in one night. So yeah, well, that like, was some people look, can't learn. User error there. Look, ladies. <laughs> Milk is hard. You have to get the temperature right. You got to have control over your wrists. It's a whole thing. Look, even Fish I can out do of water. <sighs> so yeah, I'm. I got everything built up to where I am now, and uh, I really like what I do now. It there are literally like three positions in the entire state of what I do now, which is cold brew production. Um, so it's very niche and very specific, but that's how coffee pretty much is when you start moving up. Either you own a shop or you're a roaster or you kind of work in some sort of production yeah. uh, line. And that there's, there's only a few ways out of, uh, being a barista. So 
it's tough, but if you're really about it, you'll find there's, it. There's opportunities and they're pretty cool, but they pretty much all require the base. Helps to know what it's like to actually work at the shop level. Yeah, I would even say my first ever coffee job was Starbucks. And I think just doing that level of production mm-hmm. was probably more valuable to me than knowing a bunch about coffee before mm-hmm. going and working in specialty. And you learned what the true caramel macchiato was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you got jaded. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there is something about that level of production, that, that certain amount of Well, jaded. it's like when you're making 300 espresso drinks in 45 minutes, like that's otherworldly like that's obviously not realistic for a specialty shop but getting that mindset of like where should my hands be which cup am I picking up is this have syrup in it already and getting into that mode Mm -hmm. then you can be really efficient speed training is very fun something that a lot of specialty (laughs) shop like it's not a bad thing but we go into a specialty shop and we just you kind of like sit there and like oh this is there's been times where it's noticeable like we were the last one that ordered and you're taking like Five to ten minutes on oh. like your one drink. Like, what's, don't get me started like, on this. What's, <laughs> what is happening back there? So it's it's funny to have any of that high production experience and just be like sitting there, like, are they okay? Do they need help? Can I come back there and help? Mm-hmm. Speed is literally the backbone of every coffee shop, no matter what, no matter how fancy you are. Okay, maybe if it's a sit down coffee shop, like <laughs> with your tasting menu, yeah, proud Mary or something, but. Yeah, you have to be fast. And uh, specialty coffee doesn't mean slow. You know, it, <laughs> it shouldn't fast. mean slow. Right. We made really, you know, we got drinks out really fast at Mythical and whatnot uh, and did not sacrifice quality. So that's kind of, you have to have speed. Oh, yeah. And a lot of places are missing that element. But also interesting, like Starbucks is sells more coffee than anybody, right? And their drive through. Yeah. So how... My, what I think about a lot is how could we start a drive through or something that pumps out that much coffee, but the coffee was bought sustainably. Right? Yeah. And that's why Ariel is so interesting to me as a drive through and merging into that. And there's other shops that are opening drive throughs working on them, Infusion's working on one. If, if It might be open, but um, that is kind of the future. I mean, Seattle's been there forever. Seattle has drive through coffee shops everywhere. Right. And if you could just plug in good coffee. Yeah. And it's it's just like a switch. So actually a lot of, there's the fix here in Arizona. There's um, a couple other drive throughs and. Bikini beans. Mm, they will rain a kettlebell of shame for you on your first time. And that's <laughs> what I appreciate about them. I can tell you how they served sustainably bought coffee uh-huh. in their bikinis. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah. I, I just go there for the educational experience. <laughs> I'm supporting farmers. <laughs> <laughs> Farmersonly.com. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a good segue. <laughs> <clears throat> but the, a lot of the drive throughs here are buying coffee that uh, we roast at Coffee Support. Mm-hmm. That is our own house brand. That we just private label for them and customize to their liking. And those are all coffees that are bought through us sustainably through farms that we're trying to continually support. And now those those drive throughs go through so much coffee, so much more than any specialty shop can go through. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe the message isn't there of this is, you know, um, the good coffee and the good buying practices, but at least it's being sold and being drank right. and more of it is hands. being used. So you're accomplishing the goal in a way, yeah. you know, and there will always be the pears and coffees and the other really nice specialty shops to push the message of the farmers more so. And, um, but you need both in a way. Yeah, totally. It's nice to have the educational experience with people that care, but there's so many people that just don't care. So sort of force feeding it to them is somewhat necessary. Yeah. Yeah. If people wanted to learn more about coffee, what resources do you usually mm-hmm. recommend? The internet. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, this is something I do think about a lot Dark as well. It's it's really hard, you know. Um, pretty much, you just learn from people, in, you know, within your organization that maybe know more than you. Um, but following different news, you know, um, platforms that are posting blog posts and there's um, podcasts out there, and then just kind of seeing who in the industry is advancing it and talking a lot. And uh, try and see what kind of content they're pushing out. But then there's books as well. I really like um, 
physics of filter coffee. It's like one of the best books about filter coffee and then just trying to get a deeper understanding of what's happening when you're brewing pourovers and trying to understand extraction yield and some of the more technical things. And those books exist and that's one of the better ones. Um, but there are educational companies out there uh, like Barista Hustle and you can take courses, um, but it just depends on the person and what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to learn. Um, there's tons of free content out there as well. And I would just say you kind of have to read a lot and <laughs> sift through a lot yeah. and listen a lot um, and just continually talk with your peers about it and the people that surround you in the local community because I have learned everything from uh, the people around me for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then once I got an idea from them or heard about uh, style or something, I could go there then deep dive into books or the internet about that specific topic. But there is so much in coffee and it's such a small industry uh, that there's not a lot of people talking about it. So you just, you know, I've learned a lot from infusion and uh, talking with Paul and Patrick. And once I get ideas from them, furthering that on my own. Um, But yeah, it's tough for sure. Yeah, I know John is a big fan of YouTube coffee videos. Mm -hmm. YouTube coffee is lots of fun. It depends on the type of education that you're looking to get to. I feel like it's something that you roughly alluded to where like if you're just trying to learn how to do latte art, like there's videos for that. If you're trying to actually learn about like what makes coffee sustainable, there's videos for that. Yeah. Yeah. And to varying uh, degrees of like quality and, and efficacy yeah. at explaining. And recently there's been a lot. That's been the big boom, right? We see Lance and... Um, Hoffman? Hoffman. John has a big crush on James Hoffman. Hoffman, if he could just read to me on a daily basis, just like (laughs) my bedtime stories, I'd be a big fan. Yeah. And those guys are all doing it really well. And um, now, like back in the day, I never went to YouTube to try and learn anything because I would go there and just see people that posted a video five years ago that is completely (laughs) irrelevant today. Rainy and off-putting. Yeah, now there's a lot of really good information. And once you find the people that are putting out the right information and just kind of continually watch their videos and try to understand what they're saying and then go practice it yourself in your own shop, that's where you're going to make a lot. What's your favorite coffee sin? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't even know. Mine is the Starbucks peppermint mocha. Oh, I see. (laughs) Uh, it's always good the patron saint of coffee and doesn't know how to sin (laughs) my once a year pumpkin spice latte do i even have one i don't know i really don't know (laughs) let me think about it well you have so much access to good coffee i'm thinking that a lot of our listeners are just you know normal coffee drinkers at home they have a drip machine what if they want to get into more of the specialty at home like what is Mm -hmm. your recommendation for getting started in that area there's so many ways you could go i think with less money um maybe just buy a bag of coffee from your local coffee roaster probably i don't know you really put me in a corner on this one (laughs) there's so many ways you go like Like, pour overs are cheap Yeah, yeah i think uh French presses are a great way to start. I think everybody has a French press and you can, they're pretty cheap. You don't need a whole lot and the recipes, they're forgiving. Yeah, you know, the recipes on them are like yep. pretty consistent across the board. Like I feel like the French press is an unsung hero. Like I think that full immersion brewing method with heat applied is something that a lot of people can get into entry level to like actually appreciate like, okay, trying a little bit harder in the, it's the it's like the smallest step up that I think you can get people on because you don't have to like sit there and time your pours or do anything <laughs> with weight. Like you do your weight, you pour your hot water in, you set a timer. Like it's a yeah. very approachable. I agree. I mean, a lot of people start with the French press. I'm pretty sure I did, but um, and there's it's really forgiving. And AeroPress is pretty forgiving too, even though it requires a little bit more work. You'll have an AeroPress forever. I have the AeroPress I bought in like 2015 now, and I still yeah. use it. And I want more things made out of AeroPress plastic because that <laughs> is, is last bananas. Yeah, yeah. And then pourovers and espresso is kind of the end. Um, if you have an espresso machine. Getting there. We're going to yeah. get one. <laughs> I just got one, and I've been working in coffee for seven years. I never needed one. 
but I don't now, but now I want it. I wanted one. So <laughs> it's just one. fun to play around with. Like, and for me, I to call back to earlier, like can't do latte art. I understand conceptually how to do it, but like something I need to practice in working in restaurants. I work at a restaurant where no one knows a damn about coffee. So it's one of those things where like, I do know the most and I would like to be able to show off. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I can also like do this thing versus there. It's funny. The, they go full, like, dry cappuccino mm-hmm. there's people that are literally just like spooning the phone on on top well, and i'm like oh this is gnarly and then they then the customers get mad at you when it doesn't you know yes. stand up <laughs> they're, they're looking at it they're like excuse me i can't they <laughs> hold it upside down like it <laughs> you didn't do the blizzard flip <laughs> i want my money back <laughs> that coffee shop i want to go to there but jonah you kind of alluded to something there where you feel like you want to improve the quality right so when a lot of people uh, baristas are getting into it and they are have access to youtube and they see people pouring cool latte art on instagram and their shop doesn't do that they now want to do that and Mm -hmm. achieve those things and so then they go out and learn and try and implement it but then that shop doesn't really necessarily want it it or value it Mm -hmm. and then that person moves on and that happened to me that happens to everyone yeah um and that's something i think baristas just kind of have to come to terms with right (laughs) like you can't be mad yeah at the shop owner they just are doing it the way they want to coffee's a low barrier to entry thing you can have a drive-through or you can have a you know 20 year old second wave like coffee shop and just be mediocre and it's there's a line out the door yeah. every day. Or even have so, the, uh, what was it, locally? They were really good. Hikiri, the van that's open like four hours three hours a week. a week that, like, was pumping out really quality drinks, but, like, super limited hours. And I can't imagine that their overhead I, is I think it's got to be, high. like, a part-time thing for them. I'm sure they have real jobs, too. Sure. Real jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love that. <laughs> a, no, I think that's a good segue because I think a lot of times – there's certain areas of the industry where it's like, oh, like if you're a chef, like that's a real job. Or, oh, if you're, you know, a mixologist, which I fucking hate that word, um, like that's a real job. But I feel like a lot of times like baristas get pigeonholed in the get a real job. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, even servers, like career servers sometimes, like people are like, no, when are you going to get a real job? That's just your pay for college job. And so I think it's really cool to see how you've kind of made that progression of barista to career mm-hmm. and just how that is an option yeah and i think also we need to pay people better so they can do the job they want to do mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think people use that term real job when they think people aren't making you know a livable wage yeah yeah and which is true um but the crazy part about coffee is it's like a server where it's hard to leave a serving job because you make good money doing it and but some people want to be baristas and service forever because they feel they fit in great you know it's a great job for them and i think that's totally they're making enough money for them yeah and that's great that's awesome and uh they should because they enjoy it and they're happy but um in coffee it's really i mean i barely make any more money than like a good barista uh busy barista at a shop you know like a busy shop where they're paying their baristas properly they make good money yeah you know right. and the crazy part about specialty too is people drive through baristas are making more than brick and mortar special specialty shops. Pat Jack his next venture, Bikini Beans. Yeah. <laughs> Guarantee Bikini Beans makes more than any more oh, specialty barista, except for maybe the few niche exceptions, but um, which is just so sad. But um, there's another reason why you should maybe drop your ego a little bit, you know, and, and try and, yeah. Be more open-minded to the industry because if you want to make a livable wage and keep your job in coffee, maybe you can't have all of it, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting topic that you can probably go on for hours. Yeah, it's like this weird, what's the weird dichotomy? And like, it's it's funny because a lot of the people that say like, oh, when are you going to get your real job? So like, I serve in a nice restaurant. I make more money than um, than your average server, I would say. I make more money than Applebee servers because they're fall- falling apart because there's no one wants to go to their neighborhood anymore. It's so sad. 
but like the people that are asking those questions like oh what's your next thing like you're the people that are asking that are making three hundred thousand dollars a year and like you, no one's gonna like, i'm sorry grandpa i can't make as much money as you i don't own a company yeah or even they just have like a desk job that seems professional and yeah but you're making how how would you leave the industry serving where you do now and make more money exactly there's not there, there's not a way you yeah. know it would take a decade of experience and you working know, maybe, at a desk job and grinding in a fully different environment that like is definitely not for everyone no i tried it <laughs> i made just as much money as i do now when i was in college at a desk job it was easy but i was miserable yeah and uh as soon as i left i got way happier making less money and then stuck it out in the industry and coffee you know and now i make a, a livable a livable wage but um yeah Love food hate money yeah <laughs> there it is money can buy you happiness but coffee can but i think there's also this very social aspect to working in coffee shops and like i know for you and i both like a lot of friends come out of just regulars and there's this certain level of community that comes out of that that's more fulfilling in my opinion than sitting behind a desk all day thousand percent where it's just not only do you you live and you hang out in your community, but you also get to work and serve your community. And I think that's a really cool piece of it. And I would take the pay cut to have that any day. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that was the trap, right? Like <laughs> it's uh, fulfilling you, right? Having that social aspect. And I used to think, oh, wow, what a trick, you know, like, ha you know, talking to customers and meeting friends and <laughs> those idiots <laughs> enjoying their life. Yeah. Like, and I'm stuck here making this way, you know, I could have a desk job and whatever, but um, no, the, the social aspect is amazing and I thrive off of it and certain people don't, right? Like yeah. certain people don't like that. Um, so I think it is a win, but I used to kind of be jaded about that aspect <laughs> of it, you know, that it kept me around in the industry, the social aspect. Sure. Um, and I thought that was a negative thing, but now I definitely don't think it is. Yeah. Gotta get those social capital gains. Capital gains, <laughs> and I now I'm in a warehouse with just ten guys and girls that, you know, we don't get a ton of social aspect, but at least I get to, I still go out and make it a point to talk to you know people in the coffee community and um, go into shops when you know on the weekends or after work, and uh, and then we get to work with you know five or six local coffee companies, so I get some social aspect there, but. Definitely, there was like uh, immediate, you know, want for that as soon as I left. Yeah. This, yeah, being a barista. I miss interacting with people. Yeah, truly. Even though we sometimes hate them. Oh my gosh. Okay, so actually, that was going to be my <laughs> last question for you because we're getting close to time. Um, is there like a customer interaction that just like stands out in your brain? Like it's your party story. It's the one that's just like, how did we get here? Oh, man, the COVID ones were unreal, <laughs> right? Like when uh, people had to wear masks or whatever, those those were ridiculous. And then, I mean. I mean, everyone lost their mind at that point. Yeah, it was like, a really hard time for service if you try industry. To, if you try to set up a role for a new one, they were like, you're taking away my rights. And I'm like, you've always had to wear clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point, they all just kind of melted together. And I tried to forget them. <laughs> It's a dark day. It's yeah. a dark time. Yeah. yeah. Bringing up his mom like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. No, there's not one that sticks out. Maybe episode, you know, when I come back for yeah. round two of this, I'll have some ready for you. But, <laughs> but yeah, right now, no. <sighs> COVID was ridiculous, though. And I uh, can't believe that was a thing. Yeah. And it was it, a very weird. And I think also... For us, it came at a time where the shop that we were opening had just mm -hmm. opened yeah. and then COVID hit. And that was really crazy. Um, yeah, you'll have to get us some good customer mm -hmm. stories. I love that Is stuff. Is there a specific question that was always asked that you were just like on full autopilot? Because there was like where I work right now, there's certain questions or well, first two syllables come out. I know where it's going and I can answer. And they're like, oh, so you've been asked this before. Mm -hmm. what's, what's your favorite <laughs> coffee one? Oh, man. the What's a one in one? You know, so that yeah. one's good. And the response, um, my auto response for what's a one-in-one -one took, man, like three, four months to dial in that response because it's so complicated. 
and and uh, you don't want to offend them. Just like, can I get a caramel macchiato? You don't want to offend them. Yeah, you don't want to hurt their feelings or you make know? them feel dumb. At the actually, at the end, I would just straight up plug in a caramel vanilla latte. I wouldn't even try <laughs> to describe it. I, they just say caramel macchiato. Okay, I know what you want. You yeah, know, I'm exactly. not gonna sit here and tell you. What's uh, a one-on-one caramel macchiato? <laughs> <laughs> No, didn't we? It's a one-to-one. This is a this ratio. is a thing at, at Mythical. Um, the correct response to what's a one-to-one is, uh, I'll get your ice vanilla latte out in just a sec. <laughs> it's not for you. The auto response. It's like the auto reply. It all goes back to just an office job. It's just okay, honestly, though, I think that the taking the high ground of if somebody asks for a caramel macchiato at your specialty shop and you make them something close and it's delicious and it mm-hmm. makes them happy, you're doing your job really well. Yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, like, you need business. Yeah. And I think it circles back to like, yep, just put your ego aside. Like, make your third wave coffee that makes you super happy for yourself. But also, like, if you want to have a shop that stays open in a Instagrammable neighborhood, like, Get your ice caramel macchiatos at the ready, boys. Yeah, and maybe in the beginning you would get offended that, you, you know, at what we're saying right now. Uh-huh. No, you need to explain it. Um, but I definitely think after a few years, <laughs> uh, you know, you realize that's not is what that's not is what is important. Right. Well, and it's also when somebody comes and asks you for something and you're in a service industry position, your job is to educate mm-hmm. and not to be a dick about it. Yeah. Or just give them what they want. Right. Right. Yeah, especially if you have access to it. Like if you're working in a third way shop, you have ice, you have milk, and you have caramel, <laughs> and you're like, I'm not going to give you your fucking caramel macchiato. Like you're just being a bully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is a one-in-one? <laughs> auto That's... response. Get the auto reply going. Full it's, been a, it's been like a year since <laughs> I've had to explain it. It's a, single, it's a two single shots of espresso. One gets a little bit of steamed milk. Why would you want that? So that you can taste the espresso by itself and how it pairs with milk, steamed milk. Why did you give me this gross bubbly water with it? <laughs> <laughs> to cleanse your palate. Also, anyone that doesn't like sparkling yeah, water, yeah, get can't out. Be this is not your podcast. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like I, I remember being five once. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it spicy? Yeah, Why yeah. Is it spicy. <laughs> Like, it's so strange to me whenever people are like, oh, sparkling water is gross. Like, so you don't like things that are nice? <laughs> what Peasant. Are, are you poor? <sighs> Do you hear that? What's that? The cowbell of shame is being run. Time to get over to bikini beans. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode of Love Food Hate Money <laughs> Review. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever bikini been? Beans. Have you looked at their menu? Their menu's oh. upsetting. I've never been. John has been. It is. I've had the kettlebell of shame run on me because I was helping someone move once and it was across the street from Bikini Beans and we were like, well, this is good. This is for the Well, comedy. and it was three cars of guys yeah. back to back <laughs> that were helping our friends move. We all, the drive-thru had as a really tight like hairpin turn. So like at one point, all three of us were just facing each other with the windows rolled down like, this is the strangest <laughs> experience that's ever happened. Their menu is bonkers. Like you go to a Starbucks and you know, ice caramel macchiato. You had to say the right size, venti grande tall. And theirs were like bra sizes. Oh, how are they not canceled in our like modern (laughs) 2022? In 2022, year of virtue, how is this happening? It's like the redheaded stepchild of the coffee industry right now. Oh, yeah. No one wants. It's like definitely like, "Uh, are we okay with this? But I mean, you've still got like the Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's the Hooters, Hooters of uh, yeah, exactly. coffee. Every uh-huh. industry Just, has No one. one saw it coming, right? <laughs> the burns. The burns. The steam wand in that building has got to be just a... <laughs> terrifying. The people are worried about, like, the old men harassing the women, but they're actually like, no, the only real monster here is that damn wand. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't dare wear a white shirt to the shop let to get it dirty, <laughs> let alone a bikini. <laughs> oh, but no, their their menu is unhinged. Highly recommend if anyone wants some just like good comedy reading, just a little little light peruse of the Bikini Beans menu. Read to you by James Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> That's his next video. We'll, we'll review. send that over as a suggestion. I'm sure he'll listen to us. Well, thank you so much for Thanks, your buddy. time thank and you for coming over and talking about coffee. 
And thank you for listening. Uh, this podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feathered Fiction Studios. We do have a Patreon. We have a website. We have merch. This is still a communist podcast, and you're not giving us your money. So you guys are failing us as Agenda's a whole. The not going very far. Um, get in touch with us on social media, and please like and review this podcast if you enjoy it or if you don't enjoy it. John is still waiting for hate mail. He'd really love that. Um, that is his Christmas wish. His two front teeth. We've put that on a back burner. We'll get to that later. They're big enough as it is. That's all I got. That's it? Yep. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. I made a mess. <laughs> <laughs>